We are in the midst of a series called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And in this series, we've really been looking at some different cliches and beliefs and sayings that we often hold up as Scripture. We use them like they're, they're in the Bible, but the reality is they aren't Scripture. And there's things that, that sound true, that we may even want to be true, that have some traces of biblical truth in them, but the reality is the Bible just doesn't say what it is that we're saying it says. So I want to start off today with a story uh, that I heard about an elderly couple, husband and wife, who were having some trouble remembering little things. And so they went to the doctor and, uh, and they told the doctor what they were struggling with. Some of you probably can relate. Uh, and, uh, and the doctor told them, well, one of the things that maybe is helpful is to just write things down. Just write it down and that will help you hopefully remember. And so they took his advice and they went home and uh, later on that evening, the wife said to the husband, you know, would you mind going into the kitchen and getting me a bowl of ice cream? And maybe you should write it down just in case you forget. And the husband said, that's nonsense. I, I think I can remember a bowl of ice cream. And she said, well, I also want some strawberries and whipped cream on it, because what good is ice cream without strawberries and whipped cream, obviously? And so he said, okay, I got it. You want a bowl of ice cream, strawberries, whipped cream, no need for me to write it down. So he goes into the kitchen and she hears some pots clanging and, and banging around. And a few minutes, minutes later, he emerges from the kitchen and he walks up to her and he hands her a plate of bacon and eggs. And she looks at him and just shakes her head and, and she says, I told you, you should have written it down because you forgot the toast I asked for. <laughs> some of you may get that in a few minutes. You may not remember it in a few minutes, but you'll get it in a few minutes. Um, but it's amazing how our memories can fail us, isn't it? It's amazing how we, we forget things that we, we wish we could remember, and we've all experienced the frustration of forgetting those things that we really do wish we could remember. It amazes my wife, uh, although she probably shouldn't be stunned anymore, that I forget all of the things that I do. And, and as frustrating as it is, because it can be frustrating, right, to, to forget the things that you wish you could remember, it is equally as frustrating to not for, be able to forget the things that you wish you didn't remember anymore. And, and not only is it frustrating, but there can be a sense of condemnation that comes with it when someone says, hey, you, you got to remember what the Bible says, right? And this is the saying we're going to be looking at this morning. You've got to forgive and forget. That's what the Bible says, right? You've got to forgive and forget. Now, maybe that word comes from a friend who's just trying to help you heal from a wound that you have received. And they say, you know, the Bible says you've you got to move past this. You've got to forgive and forget. Or maybe it comes across almost like a rebuke from the person that hurt you wondering why you don't just get over it and move past it and get on with your life. And they say it in almost a condemning way. Hey, the Bible says you've got to forgive and forget. So why do people think that the Bible says that idea that you've got to forgive and forget? Well, one possibility might be a verse in the book of Jeremiah. There are others that are similar, but I'll use this one this morning. The prophet spends most of his time telling the people of Israel that they're going to go into captivity for uh, captivity for their sin and their rebellion, but at the end of the book, he gives a word of hope that God's going to bring them back. And there's a powerful and wonderful verse in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 34, 
where God says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now you read that and it sounds like God is saying, I'm going to forgive and forget. So I want you to hang on to that, that phrase, remember no more, because that really is good news. And it really will encourage you if you remember how God remembers. But the reality is the Bible never says forgive and forget. In fact, let's just go ahead and begin with this thought. You and I need to forget about forgetting about it. Okay. Just as they might say in the Northeast, forget about it, right? You just need to forget about forgetting about it. In fact, this idea of, of forgive and forget, I think, can actually do quite a bit of, of damage. For one thing, it can produce a, 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 this feeling of illegitimate guilt in people who are wounded and innocent. Maybe you've been there. And, and I, I know that some of you have been there because every time I preach a sermon on, on bitterness and resentment and, and those issues that it causes from not being able to move forward with some things that have happened to us in the past that someone has done to us, I hear from people who feel guilty because they confuse forgiving with forgetting. And Dwayne's shaking his head because he's probably had those same conversations with, with people. And, and I think because I still remember what happened, I must not have really forgiven that person yet. And so they feel guilty. Another problem with forgive and forget is that it can minimize the need for that person who did the wrong to repent and make some changes. In fact, it can almost sound like, like you're wrong for not getting past the wrong and that your wrong is bigger than their wrong. But here's the biggest problem, I think, with the idea of forgive and forget, and it's just a practical reason. You can't do it. You cannot forget. And God does not expect of you something that he does not enable you to do. And so as the psalmist says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when God was knitting you together in your mother's womb, he put this amazing thing in you called a brain. But he did not put in your brain a key that you could just press and selectively delete any painful memory that you've ever dealt with. We all have scars that we will never forget. Nobody has the ability to just forget on command. And the devil knows this. And so he uses this against us. That's why the Bible calls him the accuser. One of the reasons why the Bible calls him the accuser. And so suddenly that memory will come back of something that someone did to you that was painful. Or maybe even something that you've asked God to forgive you for doing to someone else. And that memory begins to haunt you and the enemy steps into that memory and he starts to condemn you. And so this whole business of, you know, let's just let's just try and forget it. That that needs to be forgotten because it is not a wise strategy because, A, you can't do it and it's just not wise. So let me give you a better suggestion. Instead of forgetting it, how about we decide to remember the right way? Instead of trying to forget it, how about we decide to remember the right way? And the place to start is with God. Because the answer to our problems is always good theology. In other words, the study of God. The answer to our problems is always understanding what God desires of us. Who God is and what he desires of us. How does God remember and forget? What does the Bible mean when it says God remembers and, forget and forgets? Because... Just think about this from, and, and again, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes, but God is, is omniscient, which is just a, a, 
fancy way of saying he is all-knowing, okay? And an all-knowing being does not forget, right? And all, an all-knowing being doesn't just lose things from their memory. And so the Bible contains stories, right, of, of, of details that, 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 that happen in Israel's past and people's past. And it's, it's not that God has forgotten them, right? You know, God forgave Israel for uh, building this calf as Moses is on the, 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 the Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments. God forgave David for, um, for, for his sin with Bathsheba and committing adultery with Bathsheba. And so, like, when, when God is, it's not as though God is reading through these stories and he's like, oh, I totally forgot that happened, right? I, I totally forgot about that instance or I totally forgot about that, that occurrence. Long lost thoughts and memories don't just suddenly pop into the mind of God. You see, we are, here's where we kind of have a disconnect. You and I are Westerners. We live in Western culture. And, and, and so we think typically of remember and forget as kind of a mental activity, right? That, that's what we, we think of it in those terms. But in Hebrew thought, in Eastern thought, remember and forget are action words. They involve an action. So let me illustrate this both positively and negatively. Here's a negative example. Uh, and that's, we find it in the book of Hosea, where God is telling the people that because of their, their sin and their rebellion, discipline is coming. And God says this in Hosea chapter 9, verse 9, I will remember their wickedness. And this is a good example of Hebrew um, parallelism, right? Where the, where the first half, the second half of the sentence says the same thing as the first half, just different words. He says, I will remember their wickedness, wickedness and punish them for their sins. And so to remember is to do something. Then here's a positive example. We find it in the book of, of Genesis, very, very first book of the Bible. In chapter 8, Noah and all the animals are on the ark. The flood has come, and they're out there for some time. And it says in verse 1, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him in the ark. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that God is walking the streets of heaven with Jesus, and all of a sudden he goes, Noah! Totally forgot about that guy. How long has that dude been on the boat now? Right? It's, it, that, that's not what God is doing. But rather, when God remembers, then it says he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. And so when God remembers, it means that he renews his effort to work in that person's life consistent with his character and his purposes. So he remembers your wickedness. And so he acts to discipline you and bring you to repentance. Or he remembers his promise and his covenant, and he acts to bless you and shower you with his grace. Here's the point. When God remembers, he acts. It's not just a mental activity. When God remembers, he acts. And so what does it mean when God says, I will remember your sins no more? It doesn't mean that God forgot your sins. It means that God will not now and God will not ever act toward you like your sins deserve. He doesn't forget. He just doesn't treat you according to your sins. Clara Barton, many of you know that name. She was a nurse that started the American Red Cross. And there's a neat story that, that I read about a friend who watched an encounter with Clara and another woman who had done something particularly cruel to Clara. And Clara showed great kindness to this woman. And so when the woman left, this friend walked up to Clara and she said, Clara, don't you remember what she did to you? I mean, how can you treat her with such kind? Don't you remember what she did to you? And Clara said, no, 
I distinctly remember forgetting it. I distinctly remember forgetting it. In other words, oh, I recall what she did. I remember what she did. But even more, I recall the decision I made in my will not to act toward her on the basis of what she did, but on the basis of who I am in Jesus. You can forgive someone and still remember what they did. Forgiving like God does not mean forgetting the past. It means creating the atmosphere and the possibility for a new and better future. Because let's face it, some things have happened in your life that you are never going to forget. But you can remember the right way. So what does that look like? How do you remember well? Well, here's the first key. We, we, we need to remember that our memory can be part of our testimony. Your, your memory can be part of your testimony. It's, it's hard to share what God has brought you through if you don't remember it. Part of what makes your testimony so bright is that it's against the backdrop of the darkness that you went through. Let me give you an example of this from, uh, from the Bible. So there's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Jacob. And Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons is Joseph. And Joseph is mistreated very much so by his brothers. They did not like him. And if you read the story, Joseph didn't do a whole lot to help that in some ways. But um, they mistreated him. And in the end, they, they almost killed him. But they sold him into slavery. And he winds up in Egypt. And, but while in Egypt, God shows him favor. And so while he's there, uh, Joseph comes to power and eventually through his wisdom, he doesn't just save the nation of Egypt, but he also ends up saving his own family as well. And they all move down to Egypt. But then Daddy Jacob dies. And the brothers think, well, there's no way that Joseph forgot what we did. And now that Dad's dead, we're going to get what's coming to us, right? Now, now that Dad, that buffer is gone he, he's going to hammer us. He's going to bring it down on us. And so they come to him, and here's what Joseph says. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me. In other words, Joseph says, I'm not going to pretend that what you did wasn't bad. I'm not going to act like I just forgot all about it. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, saving of many lives. Joseph says, I haven't forgotten what you did and what you did was wrong, but I choose to remember what God has done. And I'm going to let the, the, the memory of what God has done trump the hurt of your wrong. And his mess became his message. His test became part of his testimony. You see, forgiving is not pretending that it never happened. It's not pretending that it didn't hurt. Forgiving is not saying that it wasn't that bad. Forgiving is declaring that grace is that good. And memories of surviving a trial victoriously and showing how that wound that used to be an open wound has now become a scar. And look, the scar is always going to be there, right? Trust me, I did a lot of dumb things when I was younger. So I, I know about scars, physical scars. And those scars are always going to be there. But it doesn't hurt like it used to. And that memory of that story somehow funnels into praise being given to God. One of the clearest examples of this in recent Christian history is a woman by the name of 
Corey Ten Boom. I've talked to her about her before in, in sermons, and many of you know her story. If you don't know her story or read any of her books or stuff, I would encourage you to read it. It's great stuff. Incredible story. Um, just a, a little bit of background. She and her sister, Betsy, were raised up in a strong Christian home in Holland um, you know, during the, all, all the things that happened with the you know, Nazis, Nazi Germany and Jews and Holocaust. And uh, her family in Holland actually was taking in Jews and hiding them from the Nazis, but they were found out and then they were arrested and they were sent to a uh, labor camp called Ravensbrück where they just endured horrific evils. In fact, uh, Betsy, uh, Corey's sister, died while she was at Ravensbrook. But God used, when the war was over, get this, God used Corey to then go around the world to, to talk about and share a message of grace, particularly in Europe and particularly in Germany, right after she had gone through all of these things. And she saw thousands of, of people come to Christ, not because she pretended like those things didn't happen, but because she chose to lean into the grace of God, which trumped the memory of the wickedness that she endured. I, I want you to just think about this for a second. If we just take this idea of forgive and forget, right? What takes more love and grace? To forgive someone for something that you can't even remember or to forgive someone for something that you'll never forget. Which takes more love and grace? I, I don't know if you've had this before. Well, I guess I haven't had it a whole lot. Um, but you've probably had this happen before. Someone comes up to you and they'll say, you know, they'll apologize maybe for something they said or did. And you're like, I don't even remember that. Right? That doesn't take much grace, does it? Doesn't doesn't take much grace to forgive something that you can't even remember. But when you forgive someone for something that time will never erase, you have just magnified the grace of God at work in your life. And that's what the enemy, the accuser, wants you to forget. And so the next time that memory comes to your mind, the devil's going to step into that memory. And he's going to try and beat you down and fill you with a spirit of guilt or condemnation. But you're going to resist the enemy. And you're going to say, no, devil, not today. That memory is not going to drive me into the sea of guilt or into the sea of condemnation. Instead, that memory is going to drive me to the throne of my God and my Father. Where I exalt Him for His grace at work in my life. Because your memory can be a part of your testimony. But it's also important to remember that forgiveness and reconciliation and I went back and forth about what word I wanted to use but I'll stick with reconciliation it's important to remember that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things forgiveness and trusting someone are two different things forgiveness is a gift right forgiveness is a gift you say well they don't deserve to be forgiven you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have thought that? They don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, if they deserved it, it wouldn't be forgiveness. Because forgiveness is a gift. By forgiving, we clear the slate so that a new future becomes a possibility. It's critical that you and I forgive. Because if we don't, we're going to wind up in a sea of resentment and bitterness. In fact, I would say it is a non 
negotiable for you as Christians and I as a Christian. It is a non-negotiable for us to forgive. Now, that may be hard to hear because some of you are like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to endure. Well, it's not me telling you. It's what the Bible says. It is a non-negotiable for you and I to forgive if you are a follower of Jesus no matter what happened. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We like that part. It's the next part that we have a little bit harder time with. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is not an option. But reconciliation is. Forgiveness is a one-way street. And again, I, I, maybe I don't want to be confusing too much with the terms. It doesn't mean reconciliation is not possible. But, but forgiveness is a one-way street. You and I are called to forgive regardless of what that other person does in the future or whether reconciliation is going to happen. But reconciliation is a two-way street. And so you can completely forgive someone, but that doesn't mean that a new future is created because they may not want a new future. And some of you ex have experienced that. There's things that you've needed to forgive, but that person is no longer a part of your life because they did not want that new future. And listen, forgiveness is not a cheap granting of a relationship where there is no change and there is no repentance, that, that, that those things have not taken place. That's not forgiveness either. And so sometimes even though you completely forgive somebody, you've got to set up some boundaries, right? I mean, we understand this. Let me give you a simple example. It's not simple and, and insignificant, but it, it, I think we can all, at least in our heads, acknowledge this. No one is saying that a child or a, a, a woman who, is, who has been in an abusive relationship should just forgive and forget and walk right back into that relationship, right? None of us would say that. And so we understand that there's a dynamic and a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. You see, our memories are our consultants. Not our dictators, but they are our consultants. And we must not forget that the Holy Spirit is eager, if we ask, to give us wisdom as we live with the things that we cannot forget. Let me say that again. Don't forget that the Holy Spirit wants to help you. And if you ask, He'll give you wisdom for how to best move forward with those things that you just cannot forget. And then lastly, as followers of Jesus, if we're going to remember well, we need to remember that we never forget the cross. You and I as Christians never forget the cross. It's not wrong to remember an injustice. And I've had conversations again with people who have said to me, because I couldn't forget, I felt like if I couldn't forget, then I thought God was mad at me. Because if I, if I can't forget that, then I haven't really forgiven, and so God is mad at me, and He's not going to forgive me. No, it is not wrong to remember an injustice. But as you recall how somebody mistreated you, it's important for you to remember how God treated you when you were His enemy. Now let me say this. If the gospel is not true, okay, if this whole Jesus died on the cross thing and 
rose from the grave thing, if, 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 if it's not true, then, then you are right to, to, to not forgive and to just to do whatever you want, take things into your own hands. Vengeance is yours, we might say. But if the gospel is true, and if Jesus really did die for your sins, and you didn't deserve it, and he really did rise from the grave, and he's coming back again, if the gospel is right, then it has to affect how you respond when you are done wrong. So let's go back to Corrie ten Boom. It's 1947. She's sharing the gospel in Germany. And because she grew up in Holland, she loved illustrations about the sea. And in particular, she loved one of her favorite verses was to talk about how God has taken our sins and he's cast them into the deepest depths of the sea. And she really believed that until she saw him. An older, balding, heavy-set man in a trench coat walked forward, hat in hand. He did not recognize her, but she most definitely recognized him. And he came up to her and he said, Fraulein, you mentioned Ravensbrück, because she talked about being in the concentration camp there. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrück. I was a guard there. Of course, she didn't need him to tell her that. When you have to walk naked in front of a man who ogles you and a place where your sister died as he watched, you don't forget. He said, Fraulein, since the war has ended, I have become a Christian. And I know God has forgiven me. But I ask you to do the same. And he put out his hand and he said, Fraulein, will you forgive me? And here's what she writes. Here's how she describes it. She said, it may have been just seconds, but to me it seemed like hours. He held that hand out and there was nothing in me, nothing in me that wanted to grab it. Does he think with just a few words I'm supposed to forget that my sister died and all that happened there? But then she remembered what Jesus said. If you do not forgive others their sins against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. She knew that forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And so she prayed this amazing prayer. And again, remember, I said the Holy Spirit wants to help you, can help you. She said, God, I need help. I can hold out my hand, but I can't make the feeling show up. And so reluctantly, she put out her hand and stuck her hand in his. And then she said, it happened. She said, I felt a current. It started in my shoulder and ran down my arm right into my hand. And I became flooded with warmth. And I began to cry. And I said, brother, I forgive you. I really, really forgive you. And she said, it was the greatest experience of the love of God that I have ever known in my life. Now listen to me. There's somebody listening to me right now, whether here or online, who is struggling with a memory. And Satan has been using that memory to beat you down, to make you feel guilty, to make you feel condemned. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's something that was done to you. Either way, it's real and it's raw. And you're never going to be able to forget it. Don't take that memory and just try to stuff it in a closet. Don't pretend 
like it didn't happen or that it didn't stink. But you take that memory to the foot of the cross. And the supernatural power of God's grace and the Holy Spirit shows up. And I don't know how to explain it. I, I, I cannot explain it. But I'm telling you that somehow as we stand before the wounds of Jesus, we begin to live with our own wounds in a healthier way. That's one reason why every week we come together and we share in communion. It's one of the main reasons why we do that. We take some bread, we take some juice, and we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus didn't tell us how often we should do it. He just said, every time you do it, every single time, you do this in remembrance of me. You don't forget, you remember you remember the right way. We do it every week because we think it's that important. Because remember, in the Bible, doesn't just mean have a mental image. Remember is not just have this mental image. It means to act. And so when we take the bread and we take the cup, it's like we're renewing our commitment to act like Jesus. And so in a few moments, when we share in the bread and the juice, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit will put on your heart an action. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe someone needs to hear the story of Jesus and you've been too afraid to tell them. Maybe you just need to receive God's forgiveness. Stop letting the devil beat you up and beat you down for the thing you did. But whatever it is right now, we're going to go to Jesus and remember. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. And Jesus, we thank you for coming. We thank you for dying. We thank you for rising again. We thank you that the story is true. But the fight is also real. The enemy is relentless and he keeps trying to, to haunt our memories. And so Jesus, we just bring them to you and we lay them at your feet. We believe your grace is greater. We believe your love is stronger. We believe your truth trumps every single lie. And so Father, help us. Jesus, help us to remember well and act more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.